Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back to 1% Better. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. Busy Monday in the world of the Indianapolis Colts. They made a move. At quarterback, lots to dig into. James, I want to start here. 19-10 loss in Tennessee yesterday, their fifth consecutive loss to the Titans. We wrote about that. We drove home last night. The image that stuck out to me last night was outside the locker room. Jim Irsay walks out. His face is red. His head is down. His eyes are fixed on the floor. And he looks like a beaten man. We've talked endlessly about his displeasure with his team's inability to beat the Titans. And I could only wonder at that moment what this man was thinking. Fast forward 22 hours later, and this team's made the most significant change at the most significant position they'd have in a long time, well, since last season when they jettisoned Carson Wentz. Why did they make this move? Why did they make it now? And how surprised were you? I'll start with the last question. I was mildly surprised because they were 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. We talked about on the drive back, had they been 1-6, and 2-5, I'd be like, okay, I understand it. But I kind of felt like they were still in that playoff hunt just because of how the AFC South is. They and still they, are. Right. And I'm not writing them off, but okay, a lot. I, I, I sort of am because in a sense, I'm like, I just don't see Sam Ellinger stepping in and being good enough to lead this team to the playoffs. Now, by all means, prove me wrong, but it seems like a move to see what you have in-house before you, you know, inevitably lose games and then you look elsewhere and, and obviously try to get a quarterback of the future. So, that was surprising to me. I did not expect it, you know, right after everything that happened yesterday. But, I mean, Matt Ryan, and I wrote about this, he didn't do himself any favors. The, I mean, the throw to Paris yesterday was his fault from all accounts. I mean, you break down the play. Paris made the right read. He didn't. And, and yes, he was pressured, but you can't compound it with a bad interception. The second one might have been even worse because that one he just threw into traffic. And so, you know, you add in the the grade two, uh, you know, shoulder separation, and it just seems like it was the perfect opportunity for the Colts to make a change and also, like, kind of do, do it in a way where, like, oh, he's hurt anyway, so let's just hand the keys over to Sam Ellinger. So, Zach, yeah, I was I was mildly surprised, not completely shocked, but mildly surprised because it feels like, this is a move that is definitely determined about the future. And that was Matt Ryan's last start as a cult, in my opinion. Unless something obviously crazy happens and people get hurt, that's his last start. To me, that's the end for him. So if he wants to continue his career elsewhere or have his say and end it on his terms, it will not be in a Colts uniform, in my opinion. But that's an important clarification. This isn't because of the injury. And, and Matt Ryan's dealing with a, a grade two shoulder separation and he won't be active this week but 
this was going to happen no matter what. That's the important clarification. And I had to press Frank Reich on that a little bit today. At first, he didn't want to get into that because it's a hypothetical, but we need to find out the answer. And this was going to happen whether Matt Ryan was healthy or not. And I think that's important. And I'd been hearing a little bit of whispers about this building momentum in the organization about Sam Ellinger, and they were coming from the top. Jim Irsay was involved in this. I think that's important to know. And I think that's really noteworthy because this is the second time in a row where he's inserted himself in a quarterback decision. You know, Frank Reich admitted it today that, you know, his voice carries a lot of weight and really carries all the weight in that decision. And he said, well, Jim Mercer and Chris Ballard and, and myself had a consensus. I'm not sure how much of it I believe that. I'm just frankly not because Frank Reich is a coach with a seat that is getting warmer by the minute. And what did you think of him today? Frank Reich got up there and he told us everything and he looked like he was a little, how would you describe it? I don't want to say beaten down, but I don't know if this is his choice. And that's speculative on my part, but covered him for five years and I know, I know how he looks and I know how he talks <laughs> and I know his mood based on yeah, that. Yeah, I'll put it like this. Seven days ago, we were talking about, hey, maybe they figured some things out. Maybe they've, you know, I ended my story last week with the with Matt Ryan telling Paris Campbell in the locker room, we're just scratching the surface. Doesn't that seem like and a year ago? And that was three, three touchdown, no interception performance, huge play. I mean, and in those three wins this season, Matt Ryan has let, let a game-winning drive in each one. And then seven days later, you know, you got, or well, six days later when you, when you count Sunday or whatever, and you look at Frank and he's saying, Matt's our quarterback right after the game. And then 24 hours later, He's not your quarterback. So to me, he just looked like a guy who's searching for answers. And that's what it feels like. And they're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, we've seen it with the offensive line in other you know areas, but obviously the quarterback is the biggest change you can make on a football team. I just thought that I truly believe Jim Irsay had to have something to say in this. Because to me, I asked Frank Reich. I was like, when you left Nissan Stadium yesterday, did you know? You know, who was your QB1? Did you know it would be Sam? And he's like, no. Went home, watched the tape, drove in today, and, you know, you know, went, no, he said, I watched the tape on the way home. You know, when I got home, drove to the, you know, drove to the facility, watched the tape again. What changed? You probably had a conversation where this guy said, you have to make this change. The funny thing is, nine months ago, they had the same conversation. After the loss in Jacksonville, they got to Ursay's office, which they don't do after most games. But in these circumstances, they needed to. And Jim Mercer told them that night that Carson Wentz will not be back next year. It is your job to find a solution. The solution was Matt Ryan, and they missed. They missed again. That's two in a row. They missed on Carson Wentz. They missed on Matt Ryan. He's done through seven games. Here's the alternative to that. There are some inside the organization that want to see what they have in Sam Ellinger. I don't think that's a bad thing because this season, and I said this last night on the car ride home, like, it feels like one step forward, one step back. This season was going to end 7-9-1, and 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. It doesn't matter. That does nothing for this team and this regime, and it does nothing for the fans out there that are listening and watching, right? Like, you guys didn't go into this season expecting 7 That's not That's not progress. No. That's not the result you want. So, at the very least, you're going to find out what you have in Sam Ellinger, and then you're going to have to find out what the next step is. Either he's going to be the guy or he's not, and you have to draft a guy. You're probably going to have to draft a guy either way. It's it's freaking time. It's freaking time to draft a guy. And I don't mean in round three. I mean in round one. But at this point, you got 10 games with Sam Ellinger, and I think he's going to give him something, something different. I think he's going to struggle. 
from the pocket to make the accurate throws that Matt Ryan was making when he wasn't throwing to the other team. But in talking to people around and within the building today, they need some mobility. They do. They need a guy who can run around that can help the offensive line because the offensive line is getting Matt Ryan killed. He's been hit 80 times. 80 times. He's been pressured 110 times. He's been sacked 24 times. That's second most in football. You guys watch it every week. We write about it every week. We're tired of asking questions about why the offensive line is so bad. And that's the reality. And I think I think Sam Ellinger gives him a little bit something. I think it'll be up and down. But I do think you'd seen enough of Matt Ryan. Would you agree with that? You'd seen enough. And I, it wasn't like, and I think I said this last night, there's no magic pill. It wasn't going to turn. It wasn't going to be saved. There wasn't just going to be this magic eight-game win streak like there was in 2018 because you had a healthy Andrew Luck and, and a team that figured it out. Like, they can't even get Jonathan Taylor going. They can't even get JT going, and they need something. Now, I don't know if Sam Ellinger is going to be the answer long term, but I think it's worth taking a shot. Absolutely, and I'll say this. I truly believe no matter how well Sam Ellinger plays, if they don't take a quarterback in the first round, it's still franchise malpractice, in my opinion. What if he leads them to a division title, which is unlikely but possible? If he does that, October 24th. You heard it here first. I mean, you entertain it. I just, I just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just like don't I see Let's this live in reality. Like, I mean, here. yes. I mean, I, I'll plug your story that you did on him and his background. He's got something in him, seriously, that he's he a does. hell of a man. He's, he is, but at he this is a quality human being. Right. But at the same time, Matt Ryan's a quality human being, you know, and you have to look at results. And for Sam, he has none. Plenty of guys that are not quality human beings are still good football <laughs> right? players. Yeah, so it's, it doesn't equate exactly. Yeah, it goes right. back and forth. But in regard to Sam, there's nothing to go off of. And I think he's like the new shiny toy. A lot of people are excited about it. I mean, I, I'll say I'm excited about it because I've never seen him play in a regular season game. None of us have. So you want to see what wrinkles they might add, where he might struggle, where he might succeed. But at the same time, I think that there's going to be more struggles than successes when he when he takes over just because he hasn't done it. And this is, you know, any pro sport, anything in life, really, if you have no experience doing it, at the highest level to think you're going to come in and be great is just not usually how it goes. I know he's a six round pick. He's not, I mentioned this, you know, in our story, a joint story before you put out a more in thorough piece, you know, he wasn't a, a first round pick that you, you know, stowed away and you, you mentored to step up. Of course they're mentoring him, hoping he gets better. They thought highly of him by keeping three quarterbacks to begin with. However, I mean, this is not some, prodigy that's that you just knew was going to take the reins one day I don't think anyone thought that Sam Ellinger would be in this position like you said nine months ago or something like that so it's a smart risk in my opinion because they were going to limp to some mediocre record yeah and if yeah, they rather by, win four games than yeah, seven by games. some miracle or, they yeah, made it to the playoffs better draft pick. they'd be one one and done I mean there's nothing to convince me that this team could put put together consecutive weeks of good football so We'll see. I'm interested to see how he reacts to it, just talking to him. He's going to be the guy who has the cameras and the mics in his face all the time now. You kind of go from being the, again, you're the loved backup, you know, who, who killed it in preseason and has an incredible story. But we know, Zach, how quickly things can change if you don't perform. And there's going to be adversity. It's going to happen. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. Frank Reich said it himself. And we'll see how much messing up happens or how much succeeding happens. And they'll go from there. But yeah, very big and bold decision. And one where I feel like for you all on the beat longer, it's just been um, 
like another dart thrown, another miss, and you, and you got to figure out. Well, not figure out. I think the the rubber meets the road now, and you have to get a young quarterback. Roll with it's that. Never been more obvious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, come on now. You can't keep going to the garage sale and finding another guy. Jacoby no. Brissett, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Frank Reich said it himself. They did not set up Matt Ryan to succeed. This was my next point. This is really important. So let me read you the quote. And and Frank was very adamant when he said this. And it, it, it's very telling. He said, this is a point that needs to be crystal clear. And I told Matt this morning when he met with Foles and Ryan and Ellinger. You came here and we promised you a top NFL run game. And we promised you great protection. And we haven't delivered. We didn't hold up our end of the bargain. And that starts with me. And that's really important here. And I do want to get into this about how do we judge Matt Ryan and the Matt Ryan experiment and the trade? Just because Matt Ryan didn't work out does not mean that moving on from Carson Wentz was the wrong decision. However, I was wrong about Matt Ryan. I was wrong. I really thought this would work to a certain degree because of the things Reich just said. I thought the play action would help Matt Ryan. He would be smart. He would be accurate. Nothing we saw in camp told us this was going to happen. I didn't see 11 fumbles. I didn't see nine interceptions the first seven weeks. I was wrong about that. He is a leader. Like this guy has some late game medal that matters. Then the leadership stuff. They're winless without him. Without that late game, he, they're winless without him. He has three game winning drives and their three wins. So, you know, continue, but give the man some credit. Yeah, and, and, and Reggie Wayne saying, like, it makes me want to throw up how much of a leader Matt Ryan, you know, reminds me of Peyton Manning. Like, Jim Irsay said it last week at the owners' meetings. Like, there is a lot of real in Matt Ryan. It doesn't matter if you don't win consistently. And the two interceptions yesterday were just god-awful, and they were killing the team. I think it's very clear they needed to move on from him. I didn't hate the move at the time. I really thought it was going to work for two years. I was wrong. A lot of other people were wrong, namely the Indianapolis Colts. But it was not all on the quarterback. The same way it was not all on Carson Wentz last year. This line... This line continues to just defy my belief. I, I cannot understand how, how far they have regressed. They're not even average. They're just bad. They're the worst I've seen in five or six years. They're among the worst in the league. Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly were continually blown up yesterday. Matt Pryor can't play. Braden Smith has regressed. That's what I don't get. I thought we would get something on Chris Strasser before we got a quarterback change, but here we are. And it's not like there's not weapons around them. And that's on Frank Reich, in my mind, more than it's on Matt Ryan in terms of Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman and Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. The fact that they can't get those guys consistently going is on the play caller. But Ryan has screwed up. He has not helped himself. He has been under a ton of pressure, and he has screwed up enough to merit this decision. And it's a shame because I really felt like it could have worked. He would have made the layups, as Chris Ballard alluded to last year, when Carson wouldn't. But... This was going to have to happen, and this was brewing for a couple of weeks. The displeasure in the organization was there at the quarterback position. James, doesn't it just feel like when they're on offense, yards are so freaking hard to come by? That is a huge problem. They have the 30th-ranked rushing attack in the league right now. They're just so bad in so many areas, and that's, that's what they're looking to fix. And it's a combination of a lot of things. I do think, and I went into today's presser actually before – you know, chat broke news about Sam and, and you know, Wright confirmed it. I was ready to ask him, why didn't you play JT? 55% of the snaps, 35 plays, I think 64 or something like that. Why isn't your best running back on the field the majority of the time? Like, I mean, technically it was a majority, but you know what I mean? Like, why isn't he out there? 
JT is an every down back. And if he's healthy, if he missed two games to get healthy, why isn't he out there? I just didn't understand that. And after the game, he said it wasn't a, you know, wasn't a pitch count. It was a planned rotation. That's a pitch count. That's a pitch count. You know, every time I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, like, what planned rotation involves planning to not play your best player? Now, there, this could be some like, you know, hey, he's really not 100% just yet, and we just won't say it. But come on, I, I just felt like, you know, when JT was in there, as bad as things were yesterday, he gave him some juice. He made something out of nothing on pretty much every run he had. He had 10 rushes for 58 yards. He had 17 touches overall, 85 yards. So he was doing some things to move the chains. But again, like you said, the offense has just been really, really hard. And it seems like it, it seems like none of the pieces fit together. And then you compound it with giving them a touchdown on defense. I mean, they didn't, they didn't get into the end zone yesterday. The defense is not elite in my eyes because elite, I, I think you think takeaways and, and, and touchdown scored and stuff like that. But they've been pretty good. I mean, anytime you hold an NFL offense to 12 points, you should win that game. And the fact that they lost by nine is like, I mean, how does that happen? So there's a lot of other issues going on with this team. But the Matt Ryan, the first pick, I'm like, okay, he miscommunication, whatever. The second one on the very next drive too, by the way, I was like, all right, I mean, what, what do you want? And then, so they cash theirs in, they, you know, they score on defense. They get seven on that. They get another, another uh, three points off of the second interception. And then they gift you a fumble. Like Bobby Okereke did not force anything. He just picked it up off the ground because of the exchange between Tannehill. It was a bad call. And then, like, six or seven plays later, you're kicking a 50-yard field goal. And, he, you know, Chase McLaughlin made it. But, like, you got to score. You got to score a touchdown on that and get back in the game. So, to me, and we out to next to you at every game, and it just feels like if there was a two-score lead, it was impossible for them. To, like, it didn't matter if it was 10 or 14 or 20. If it got to double digits, it felt like this team just could not come back. And to Paris Campbell's credit, he noted, like, we haven't scored on an opening drive all season. We yeah, can't score to, to start year. the game. Yeah, and yeah, we and this you're is playing such a from damning behind. statistic, but they've been down 13 or more in every AFC South game this year. They haven't scored on the opening drive since Christmas night last year in, in Arizona. And let's go into that miscommunication because we got a little bit of a clarification on that, and this is really bad. So everybody saw the Naheem Hines face mask, right? The ref blew the call. That happens. It was totally a missed call. It was egregious, as, as Naheem said. But Reich was arguing with the official, got the call in late. Now, that's a whole other conversation about whether the head coach should be arguing with the official and getting the play in. Why not just take a timeout? Why not just take a timeout? Him but and this Matt. Is where, Both yeah, of them could have took a timeout. But Either this is one. where it goes to Matt Ryan. He knew the pressure was coming. He wanted to check out of it, but he didn't have enough time. So the play was for Paris to run an out. But if he's double covered, the ball doesn't go his way. He was double covered which why he's never turned around. The ball did come his way, and that was the easiest pick six the Titans will have all season. The problem I have with it is, is the quarterback. Take a timeout. Take a delay of game, for God's sakes. But that's what he was brought here to do, to not make those mistakes, to not beat the team. Matt Ryan was brought here to be part of the solution, not the solution. He was supposed to be part of the attack with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman as they grow into their own, playing behind a good offensive line, None of it. None of it. The funniest thing in all of this is my biggest concerns before the season were probably tight end and receiver. And those aren't at the top of the list right now. 
Now, I don't know where the tight ends were yesterday. I mean, Mo Alley-Cox was wide open on the second interception. Wide open. And he missed him. And this is the stuff they see on tape. This is the stuff Frank will see on tape. And that's not good enough. When you're not elevating the play of others around you, which is Matt Ryan's not doing right now, that's when you have to make a move. And he's not able to move around in the pocket and create things like Ellinger is. And that's really where they are. Let's talk about quarterbacks a little bit more. Ryan Tannehill yesterday. I think he was 13 for 20, 132 yards. That's nothing for an NFL quarterback in the NFL. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't yeah, turn he didn't it over. his own team. Yeah. Didn't turn it over, and they did just enough. That's and, all and, the Colts do when they play the Titans is they yeah, beat themselves. Yeah, and our, our columnist, Joe Rexroad, he, you know, he mentioned just how they bullied the Colts and, and how they, the Titans, they find a way to win ugly. They, they, they muddy the game up. And they gut it out, and they got a bunch of tough dudes over there, and they don't beat themselves. And to the point of beating yourself, you know, Bob Kravitz had this column come out yesterday, and we were driving back yesterday, and we were thinking, man, Bob, we were a little too hard on Matt Ryan. Now he looks like a genius because obviously the change came just hours later. Kravitz was right, man. Through seven games, comparing Carson Wentz last year to Matt Ryan this season, Carson Wentz had 11 touchdown passes, one interception. Matt Ryan has nine and nine. Wentz had four fumbles. Matt Ryan had 11 fumbles, three lost. Wentz was even more accurate. You can't beat the your team you're on. You can't do that. And he was doing it consistently, and I think that's where the that's when they One game his- this season without a turnover, and that was the win against Jacksonville. He has three games this season with at least two interceptions. He had the three-pick you know, game, the first Jacksonville matchup. So, like I said, it's not all on him, but he did himself no favors. And then, you know, quite frankly, being 37 years old, that opens that window to say, hey, we don't really have time to right the ship, so to speak. We might as well see what we have in-house before we go shopping elsewhere. I think that the team could possibly rally around Sam because I think that there is something to be said. Whenever you inject a new person or something into a team, you can rally behind that a little bit. But this is where skill comes into. And for as bad as Matt Ryan has been, to expect that Sam Ellinger is just suddenly going to be able to just run and make all these, you know, throws on the run and, and, and alleviate some of that pocket pressure because he can just get outside of it. I mean, he's 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 good with his feet, but he's not Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, we'll see. And, and what's crazy is who won the trade? Everyone always wants to talk about who won the trade. Look at where Washington is. Look where the Colts are. I mean, does any fan base feel good about what's going on with either quarterback? And if you would have told me, at the beginning of the season, when this game was on the calendar, everyone had it circled that neither starting quarterback that both teams made moves for would be in the lineup. You know, oh, granted, Sam Ellinger is a starter now, but you know what I mean? Like the presumed starter, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to see how much has changed in like a month and a half. Are the Colts waving the white flag on the season? I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Frank took a little bit of heat for this, and I was surprised that he said it, but he said this three times yesterday. They're three, three, and one. They're three, three, and one. Last year they were two and five. They're three, three, and one. They're not out of it. There's a long way to go. They've got some tough games coming up, but they've got some winnable games as well. Are they waving the white flag? I think so, honestly. I just feel like if they were five and two or something like that, had more than one win to show for in uh, the division then maybe they don't pull the plug, but it feels to me like, hey, we'll just, hey, if he gets us to the playoffs and plays amazing or something, we got our guy. If not, we'll get our guy because your record's going to be terrible. I mean, there's no secret to the benefits of making this decision. So 
to me, I really want to, and I'll probably dive into this whenever we get back in the locker rooms, talking to some of these veterans who came here. I want to know what Stefan Gilmore thinks of this and Buckner and Buckner and Grover who are playing their asses off. Gilmore is in the same category and Tycon Lewis is playing well. And the defense, man, like you, you talk to the defensive guys almost every day. They've done enough to win games almost every time with the exception of maybe Jacksonville in week two, right? Yes. That and, and maybe, you know, the, the 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 second Jacksonville game, they weren't all that great, but they made some yeah, stops. Yeah, gave some big runs. But then, but- let me just say this. I'm in the locker room. You were there talking to Bobby Okereke. He's playing through a broken pinky. He's got five stitches on his pinky. Looks terrible. Bone came through the skin last week, popped it back in, kept playing. And they're toughing and gutting it out. And he's saying, well... You know, we, we, we did pretty good. You know, it's a team game, though. We didn't give up a touchdown. And I went back and looked. Yesterday was the third game of the season for the Colts where they scored one touchdown or less. You cannot win like that. 16.1 points per game is not winnable. Like, good teams can at least score 20 points. And it just felt like if the Colts scored over 20, it was like the greatest day ever. If they found the end zone twice, it was a great day. More on to that point, I talked to Zaire, and he's like, you know, it wasn't good enough. Typical, you know, athletes speak. We weren't good enough. We can't allow them to score at all. Here's what you can't say, Zaire. You were good enough. Defense was good enough. I'll say it for you. Like, even Rodney McLeod, he had the great pass breakup over the middle to Austin Hooper. Um, it was a third and six. And in that play, if they get a stop there, they probably get the ball back with a chance to win it. And he, he breaks on the ball. He's done it probably a million times in his life. Austin Hooper catches it. He like slaps it away from him for a brief second. It's in the air. And the dude makes like a David Tyree type of yeah, catch where it's it like happens it, once out of a hundred times. probably. Exactly. And Roddy McLeod's like, you know what? The football gods just didn't want me to have that one. There's nothing else I could do. And I mentioned it in my story. Yes, Rodney, there's nothing else you could do, but you know what? Your offense could have did a hell of a lot more to help you all out. So you don't have to be perfect every single time. Like I had people in my mentions tell me, well, Rodney Thomas just looked at the guy. Rodney Thomas, I talked to him as well, didn't put it in the story, but he's like, I didn't even know the dude caught it. Like I tried to slap it away from him, but he was like, once he went to the ground and I missed the ball, I just thought he dropped it and I see everyone running up and he's like, there's no way he caught that. So my point is the margin for error on defense, it seemed like just more exaggerated because the margin for error on offense is even slimmer. It just seems like. Doesn't it feel like they're making the defense play perfect? That's what it feels like to me every single week. And the defense isn't going to be perfect. No, you're playing the best athletes in the world. At some point, you're going to get got. And you have to look like the best athletes in the world, which the offense rarely has this season. I know Matt Ryan pushed back on that a little bit yesterday. And he was saying, like, I'll talk about today. Like, today, we didn't. I'm like, no, 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 no. Almost the entire season, Matt. Like, and I get it. I, if I was in his shoes, I'd probably say the same thing. And, and having went out there and played, and understanding the game for 15 seasons, I'll probably say the same thing. I don't want to make it seem like we have no options or no hope moving forward. But since I'm on the outside looking in, I'm like, dude, dude you guys are not going to figure this out. This is not going to look any better than maybe that Jacksonville game where you threw it 58 times to win. And to Ryan's credit, he still got crushed on a ton of throws. So when I, when they came out and said he was injured, I, I told you this all season. We're, I'm not a genius. Hey, first season on the beat, first season in the NFL. I'm not a genius. I don't know every single coverage or whatever. I do know if you keep hitting a guy that's 37 and not as thick as some other quarterbacks that they've had in the past here, like Andrew Luck, like Carson Wentz, like Matt Ryan's a little bit frailer. Keep getting that guy decked. Of course, he has a separated shoulder now because... Tough dude. Like, like Matt Ryan's a tough dude. Moving it to a macro level, 
like this is a this is an organizational failure and we'll wrap and we'll wrap with this like this is on Jim Irsay this is on Frank Reich who swung and missed with Carson Wentz who swung and missed with Matt Ryan it's on Chris Bowd who has not pulled the trigger in the draft in a high pick for a quarterback who swung and missed with Carson Wentz swung and missed with Matt Ryan and they're putting all their chips in right now on Sam Ellinger. All and chips it's in. It's not fair to Sam Ellinger, but this is the NFL, and fair doesn't matter. To answer my own question, I don't think they're waving the right flag from the people I've talked to. I think they can still think they still think they can make a run to the playoffs. They believe that because they have a lot of talent in certain spots. They haven't meshed it together, but that's the reality. And maybe he gives them a spark, but it's going to be rocky and it's going to be up and down and it's going to be ugly at times. But all of this, whenever this season ends, and it'll end probably that last game at home against Houston, end as a failure because they didn't fix the quarterback problem. And that's something I've said almost every year for the past five years, and that's the problem. If you look back, the only guy that really worked, this only worked after Andrew retired was Phillip Rivers. They had one year of that, and the other four have been misses. And that's where they're at, and that's why they can't go anywhere. And that's why this team is just in this unending carousel of QB hell. And I get the fans that are frustrated and honestly like disinterested in this team because every week feels the same. Every game against the Titans feels the same, like I wrote yesterday. And every every game feels the same. It's just so hard for them to move the football and find first downs and find opportunities for their best players to do what they do. Isn't that what coaching is at the basic level? put your best players in position to do what they do well. It doesn't feel like they're doing that with Jonathan Taylor and a couple other guys. And, you know, you got to give a shout out to a couple guys who are just fighting through a really tough season and playing well. Paris Campbell's had a couple good weeks. Grover Stewart's an animal. DeForest Buckner's playing terrific. Gilmore's been pretty consistent. Zaire's fighting. Okereke's playing through a freaking busted finger like you mentioned. But in this league, it doesn't matter if you don't have the quarterback thing figured out. And that's why we're on this unending loop of uncertainty with this team. Sam Ellinger is a great young man. I've spent a lot of time with him. I did a big story last year on what he's been through to get to this moment. Hell of a man. And now everything rests on his shoulders. Maybe it's a great story by the end of the season. Maybe, maybe. I mean, of course, as writers, we, we love that, right? But I, I we are wanna... not that lucky on this beat. Exactly. And I want to and I want to push back just a little bit on the white flag thing because Sam Ellinger mentioned it earlier this season. He said it himself, like I'm not ready. You know, he's he's going through the, the Tom House quarterback arm he's, throwing He's trying thing. to add velocity. So the biggest knock for him coming out of school was his was his velocity, his arm talent. And that's why he's a six-round pick, and he's a little bit shorter. You, you guys get tired of the, the knockdown balls with Matt Ryan. You're going to see more of him with Ellinger. But he's tried to improve that, and he explained it to me, and it was like it was like going to science class. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but um, he understands all that stuff. There's a lot to this kid. Right. And there's something to be said about how smart he is. Seriously. Like, I know people say it all the time about Court. Like, no. He gets it. But I will say this. He's been running the scout team. And Frank Reich says he's had some great throws. And he's had a great practice the last couple of weeks. This is not Detroit in August against the threes and the fours in the preseason. This is not training camp in Westfield. This is the ones. They were going to have a game plan ready to go for this guy. They're going to make him win from the pocket and see if he can be accurate. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. This is going to be a completely different animal for Sam Ellinger. If I'm the commanders, I'm like, I smell blood in the water. And then as a veteran in the league, you ha- on that defense, you have to feel like we're going to show this rookie 
it, it, that how hard it really is to be great in this league. Like even you if the commanders aren't, aren't like a playoff team, like these guys no. are fighting for contracts and they're fighting for spots hey, next year and they're fighting for go. good tape and all that matters. And and like you said, it's it's absolutely accurate to say that guys will smell blood in the water and they know and and they're going to try and take advantage. And it's a shame. It's a shame that seven weeks in, this is where the Colts are at. But they're five hundred. <laughs> they're three, three and one. They're three, three and one. Oh my gosh! But this the Matt team. Ryan experiment was fun. It was short lived, but it was fun. We'll always have Denver. We'll always have Denver. And last week with Alec Pierce. But uh, James, you picked a good year to join the Colts beat because it's certainly not quiet. I thought this might be one of our quieter seasons in terms of craziness we've had the last couple of years. But uh, I'd like to apologize to yeah, just Indianapolis call. and it's Indiana in general. When I joined the Pacers, they had different hopes for their season. Big changes. Same thing with the Colts. Big changes. But you can never say I'm, I'm boring. I guess when I join the beat, like things happen when I come. When I come around, things happen. But jokes aside, it will be interesting to see just where the season goes because it feels like I told you every every week's a different chapter, and this is obviously the biggest chapter yet. Six quarterbacks for Frank Reich since he took over, which is a really unfair way to do it as a head coach. And I do feel like the seat is getting warmer, and I feel like that decision will be made after the season. I don't know which way Jim Irsay will go. Only Jim Irsay knows that. I don't think he has an answer right now, but to close, that's really hard on a head coach. I don't care who you are. And the ironic, almost unfair part about it is he came in with Andrew Luck. And the guy that's going to decide his fate, at least this season, is a sixth-round pick with a quarter of the talent. And everything rests on Sam Ellinger right now. And it's going to be interesting. But I will say this. There's a lot of interest in this game on Sunday. I think a lot of Colts fans are going to be very curious to see what Sam Ellinger can do. Myself included will be there in the press box. As the world turns, the Colts are never quiet, never boring, and they never cease to amaze. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. The Colts are 3-3-1. They have a new starting quarterback, and it's the Sam Ellinger show from here. So we'll see what happens Sunday. We'll catch up with you guys next week and see how everything goes.